o'clock hour of Willie's Begins now without Derek Blakesley, although we thank the Badgers outsider for spending his morning with us, just as we thank this next guest for spending some time with us. He was in the news, Tausch, I guess yesterday, even though as I did more reading on the subject, this verdict was handed down like a week ago. Yeah, middle of last week, and... I think uh, give a little time, and then we reached out. I reached out to Chris yesterday, and it's a. I think it's an interesting story Very that he so. has that I'm fascinated to learn more about as it unfolded because he was basically his trial was going on as the Eagles were getting ready for a Super Bowl. He had Nick Foles come in. He had guys that had to come in and testify. It was. It's a unique circumstance and one that uh, I can't wait to hear more about from Chris. And one that he hopes will change the way players are treated by some in the medical community of the NFL. Joining us now, former Tausch teammates? You guys cross over at UW? we did not. Oh, he's younger than you. By a lot, yeah. Handsomer, Former Badger. Definitely richer. I mean, you can, <laughs> you can put it with a bunch of things now. Uh... Former Philadelphia Eagles captain and friend of Tausch, if not former teammate of Tausch, at UW, Chris Maragos on Wilde and Tausch. Chris, good morning. How are you, buddy? Hey, what's up, fellas? How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. I'm I'm impressed that you've achieved the success you've had and and now are about to make a bigger difference uh, without having played with Tausch. That really is a testament (laughs) to everything you've done. It's rare, yes. That's a big hurdle to overcome, for sure. Yes. Well, congratulations. Uh, Chris, we've <laughs> talked before earlier in your career uh, for stories when you got your team would be playing the Packers and the career that you carved out in the NFL was impressive. It was also abbreviated by medical, according to the courts, I could say this, negligence and malpractice. For what? folks are reading about today and in the past few days about what happened to you give folks the short i guess cliff's notes is for old people like tausch and i I think spark notes were probably more popular when you were in college but the brief explanation of what you have endured and now what has come of it yeah so long story short i'm certainly not a medical uh expert but Basically, what happened is I tore a few things in my knee uh, in a game on a Thursday night uh, in October of 2017, and I underwent surgery to have those fixed. And uh, one of those things was fixed, and the thing that wasn't fixed was a meniscus. Um, and because of that meniscus, which is basically the shock absorber or protector for the bones in your knee and for your cartilage, um, that was not fixed, and it was out of place, and it was extruded out of my knee. and. And throughout the year-long uh, rehab process after the surgery is over, um, that was not uh, addressed and it was not fixed in the initial surgery. And I continued uh, to have my rehab progressed by uh, the doctors treating me. And because of that, it my knee basically went from no uh, issues or complications to uh, me having to have two salvage knee replacement or sorry two salvage surgeries and i'm looking now at probably two replacement knee replacements in my lifetime here 
So, Chris, the the career you carved out, and, and look, there have been, and you are a great example of it, and Jimmy Leonard and a bunch of others who you come from, you know, undrafted or working your way up from a low draft pick because there's been Badger players that have come from that background to becoming a stalwart special teams player. And, and let's be honest, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where I am, having seen poor special teams, we have a better understanding now of how important guys like you are to making your special teams good. This injury not only causes you to miss time during that 17 season, didn't you miss the Super Bowl championship run because of it as well, because of these issues? That's right. Yep. Yeah, I missed the Super Bowl, and then I rehabbed that following year all throughout the year and, and missed that whole season as well, too. So you retire in 2019, and how do you get to the point of saying, look, this isn't right, I need to take legal action? Because, again, for those who missed the story, uh, a jury deliberated only three hours, which I think tells you how strong they felt your case was and awarded you $43.5 million in damages and lost wages. So uh, you and your legal team clearly made a very compelling case. When did you realize that this was a path you needed to go down? Well, you know, I knew that there was probably something wrong after I had to go get the surgery a year later after the initial surgery, after the, the first plane injury. And so I knew that it was pretty serious because my cartilage had basically worn all the way down and I was now bone on bone in my knee. And I needed to have two procedures that were going to take a couple of years to rehab from. And I wasn't going to be able to put pressure on my leg. And I thought, you know what, if you, if you have an injury on the field, you get surgery and you rehab from that injury to get better, not necessarily worse. Right. And so you know, here I am with the knee of an 80-year-old now all of a sudden, and I was thinking and expecting to come back to play in the NFL. I said, you know what, this this really isn't a normal situation, and I'm certainly not the type of guy that would bring suit to somebody unless it was a, a very egregious uh, accident and, and situation, and it just happened to be that, unfortunately. So, Chris, I guess the question I have is, you know, I went through two ACLs, and uh, I had to get my meniscus cleaned up. When did you start thinking? Because there's a, a period of time where you're just trying to strengthen your quad. You're trying to do stuff. Was it when you started running? When did you realize something wasn't right when it came to the ACL and that the meniscus wasn't repaired the way it should have been? You know, it's a... Uh it's kind of hard to tell. It probably started when I was ramping up my activities. You know, as you know, Tosh, man, you, you know, you're, you're basically the first few months of rehab. You're not doing a whole lot of strenuous things on it. Uh, you're certainly not running, not doing anything. So this meniscus problem really wasn't rearing its head quite all that, that much, you know, obviously you're dealing with swelling, different things like that. But once I started increasing my activity levels, as I started getting on uh, like, alter G and start working on my running progression, things like that. You know, I was experiencing, you know, this pinching or something catching on my knee and, and, you know, started raising complaints that I was having, you know, these issues and, and the doctors kept saying that the symptoms were normal and to continue to push through. And, and, uh, and of course I, I listened to the doctors and I pushed through those things that I was experiencing and feeling. And, you know, ultimately that was the detriment to, and the deterioration to my knee. Yeah. It was so, 
did you get a second opinion uh, to start with, and then when did you start really digging in? Because you are going to hear that, and then when you you keep missing time and the coaches are like, hey, it's been eight months, what's going on? You start feeling that pressure. Can you kind of take us inside when you, know, when you decided that and when you kind of got a look at what your next steps were going to be when you decided to take this thing to lawsuit? Yeah, so throughout my rehab process, it was like a tug and pull all the time. And there were times where what I was being told is I was developing a bone bruise, and that's, they had to shut down my rehabilitation for six to eight weeks to allow that to heal. And I'm figuring, I'm trying to figure out why this bone bruise keeps happening and, and why I'm experiencing the pain that I'm feeling. And so, you know, it happened once and it happened again. And then, you know, by this time, we're getting into the, the next season, and it's just not coming back. And, and you know, I keep continue to be told that I have a bone bruise that's kind of plaguing the, my progression here. So I'm thinking, all right, well, I guess I just got to let this heal and, uh, you know, resolve, and then I'll just continue on. And so once uh, once it, it, it happened again in probably the middle to the end of the 2018 season, I went and saw a specialist, to uh, you know, and another person outside of uh, these four or five doctors that I had been seeing uh, in and around through my rehab for that year. And, um, and he took one look at me and he said, man, I, I hate to tell you this, but, uh, you know, your career is over and you have to have these procedures to salvage what's left of your knee and you don't have a choice. And that, that, was, a, that was a big shock. <laughs> so, Chris, talking with Chris Maragos, Chris, let's fast forward now. Uh, first, from a legal perspective, I assume that there will be uh, an appeal and, and more. the legal process isn't entirely done despite this victory, right? So you're still, are you still in a holding pattern in terms of what comes next on the legal side? That's a good question. You know, that I'm not pretty well versed on. Um, I know that um, from the legal standpoint, I'm kind of letting the attorneys handle that. From from the perspective of, of the logistics, I'm not really well versed. I, I really wouldn't be up to up to okay. date and abreast on that. But I'm, I'm, I assume that there's all sorts of legal things that, that happen at, through this time now. So, Chris, I, I have to go back. When you went to that other doctor and he told you that, he or she told you that, do you go back to the original doctors and say, what the hell were you doing? Because you kind of <laughs> laughed, but I can just imagine the the hollowness in your gut when you heard that. It had it just been devastating. Oh, devastating. You feel betrayed? Yeah, you, you go back to them and, and um, you know, you're just like... <laughs> dude, why was I running? Why was I doing this? Why was, why was I, why was that happening? And there weren't too many good answers, put it that way. And so at that point though, I was, I was pretty much in a, in a place where I just needed to focus on my health at that point, because I think it became apparent to me very quickly and surprisingly that uh, I was going to have to do something pretty, pretty aggressive with uh, some of these surgeries just to give myself a chance. Cause I think I was 30 or 31 at the time. And, and, you know, you're looking at, you know, a knee of an 80-year-old at this point, and you're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on and just make sense of it. So it was a, it was kind of a, a helter-skelter time for sure for us, unfortunately. So, so Chris, um, the end of your career prematurely certainly bothers me, and I feel for you on that front. But I have to say the thing that bothered me more is the quote that I read in the Philly Inquirer when Tausch set things up with you that you said i'm the only dad who is not out there playing flag football now 
first of all, doing a show every day with an 11-year NFL veteran who has his own physical setbacks from his NFL career, uh, although it doesn't slow him down on the pickleball court. He's top-notch there, at least he was. <laughs> yeah, we'll He's, get Chris playing. That's, that's up Chris will be able to Hey, there we go. You guys can play against Warren Sapp and Rich Eisen at some point. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't take that stuff lightly, right? Because, you know, as right. somebody who's covered the league for a long time, you ha- I have relationships with guys in the locker room. You realize that these guys are people, not just numbers and helmets. But when, when oh. I read that, I was like, God, man, that, like, that was what got me. I'm wondering, what is yep. it like today with your 80-year-old knee as you get ready for knee replacement at age 36? What What is your day-to-day like, and how does that affect dad duties? Because, yes, it sucks that your career ended earlier than it should have, but you still have an entire life to live with your jacked-up knee. Yeah, honestly, Jason, that's, uh, that's, that's the hardest part, man. You know, I think... You know, when this happened, my, my two boys, I have three kids now, two boys and a daughter, my, my two boys are six and four. So all they've really kind of known for their, their lives is the dad who just plays horse or pig, right? Or the dad who's the all-time quarterback or, you know, the dad who only walks a certain amount of time before we take breaks or we plan stuff around what we're doing or how we're doing it or, you know, uh, you know, things like that. So like you said and alluded to, you know, the career is one thing. Obviously, you know, you, you mourn that, but, yeah, that was going to end, and, and that's fine. And, and gosh, man, I was so grateful to to play as long as I did and have the experiences. My my time in the NFL was spectacular. I I, I'm, I played for three amazing organizations, um, met so many great people. I, I just I loved every bit of my time in the NFL and, and hold that in a high regard. But but to leave, um, you know, dealing with with what you're dealing with, your physical limitations, and and staring down, you know, knee replacement, you know, in your 30s, you know, it's 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 a shocker, and and obviously how that affects, you know, your family on a day-to-day basis, it's hard. And, you know, my wife and I, we try to make the most of it, and I certainly try to do whatever I can as best as I can with my kids. But at the end of the day, you're limited, but um, you try to put your best foot forward and give your family the best that you can with what you got. And, and uh, you know, that's what I try to do on a daily basis from here on out. And hopefully I can get this, this knee replacement, and that can give me some sort of uh, relief, hopefully. Is it just a ton of pain? Like when you walk, give, take us a little inside that. Oh yeah, just a lot of pain when you walk. Any, anything you're moving and doing, obviously, if you're if you're standing, moving around, my knee when it's bent, it, it kind of collapses to the inside, so it's not necessarily stable because I lost so much cartilage. Um, so my knee doesn't sit flush, so it, it kind of gives way, and and there's just uh, a, you know a lot of things that you know are kind of you know rubbing and you know kind of crunching in there and. And obviously the bones are are exposed because it's bone on bone. And so the more you do on it, you know, you just you experience more pain. So you kind of plan your day around not doing as much or sitting down or, you know, not walking around or, you know, doing doing too many things. But as you guys all know, you know, it's uh, it's not that easy to be able to do that, especially when you got young kids and, and you're, uh, you know, in your 30s. So. so, Chris, it's hard to – it doesn't matter if it's injury-related – most of the guys, when they're done playing, it is a hard mental thing to get through. How mentally, obviously the $43 million, you would have much rather been able to continue to play. I think it's, you know, when oh. guys get disability uh, from the NFL, it's great that you get that money, but 
everybody would rather be functioning at a high level than taking that money. How have you mentally kind of held up through what had to have been a just incredibly trying three or four years? Oh yeah, you know honestly, that's 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 been the hardest part. You know, I think uh, I think the betrayal and the hurt that you feel. You know, I you know I gave my best to these doctors and and uh, trusted them, and you unabandonedly trust them uh, with your health and your future and your career and, and everything, you know, every, everything you have is in, is in the balance and in, uh, in their hands and they have a lot of power in that. And so the hurt that you feel from that, obviously you're shocked because here you are thinking that you're coming back to play. And then all of a sudden, you know, not only you're not going to play, but now you realize how serious of a knee situation you have and all the surgeries that you're going to have. And you start staring down the reality of what your life might look like for the next 50 years. Right. And so, you know, it, it kind of puts you in a, in a, in a very difficult place mentally. And, and that's one of the things that, that, uh, I want to, you know, definitely advocate on behalf of all athletes to say, Hey, look, you know, whatever you're going with, whatever you're dealing through, you know, I've been in some very dark mental places and, and, uh, my wife has been amazing at, at working through those with me, finding help that we need. But at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're athletes and we're players and, and we're taught to be strong and we're taught to be, um, you know, people who have it all together. But I think there's so much strength in sharing in our weaknesses uh, to really be able to say, hey, look, you know, things aren't perfect. Life's not perfect. But as as brothers in the NFL or as athletes or as a community, we can come alongside each other and work through the hard things that life brings, right? And, and the difficult moments and the things that are discouraging and uh, not necessarily planned uh, in our lives. And so, you know, I'm grateful. I had so many great friends, uh, players, teammates of mine, family members, um, man, close friends. It's just it's been amazing to see how many people have come and come alongside of me to help me work through all this and uh, and and get me on the other side of it. So I'm I'm grateful. There's still a lot of work to do. Um, you know, certainly by me, you know, situation doesn't go away. Obviously, mentally, what you're doing, you know, there's ripple effects to everything, and and there's a lot of pieces to continue to pick up you know, post, uh, post trial here and post verdict, but you know, we're willing to put the work in and, and advocate on behalf of, of all people to say, Hey, look, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of, of what you might face, there's hope for you. And, um, and there's people here that want to help. And, and I intend to, to do that for, for anybody that I can. So, all right, Chris, two last things before we let you go. Cause I know we've kept you a long time. Sure. Um, one, uh, I loved the statement you put out yesterday, and I love what you just were talking about, about helping others, because um, not everyone has an amazing wife like you do or a support system. I, I, look, there's lots of great doctors. I, I know Tausch's relationship totally. with Doc McKenzie, and, and I have a relationship with him. You know, there are great doctors out there, but there are there is a tendency in this league to treat you guys as – something less than just the human beings that you are who happen to play football. So what's the next steps for you for getting that part of this off the ground? How do you, are you just getting started? Are you just kind of talking about things to try and figure out how to go about yeah. this? Cause I love that your heart's in the right place to try and help others after what you've been through. Totally. Yeah, Jason. I mean, like you said, I'm definitely not anti-doctor. I'm, I'm pro doctor all the way. I'm, I'm pro medical staffs, people. I, I've had an amazing people throughout my time in college in the NFL. Um, I think there's just amazing people who are skilled and we need that for sure. But, uh, but I'm also pro accountability. And I think that there could be a tendency just like anybody, we all make mistakes and, and there's times where we're all not perfect. Right. But when there's accountability in place, then, 
the disaster situations uh, don't have to uh, present themselves, right? And unfortunately, right. Um, you know, there's a temptation to maybe, you know, protect your career or other people or friends or whatever it might be. And I think, you know, the big thing is, is, is that athletes, as much as they invest in their careers, uh, you know, it's an entertainment business. They're there to entertain and, and, um, you know, to bring, you know, kind of an escape for people to, to be excited about, uh, on the weekends from, from their weeks and, and all the great things that sports brings. Right. But, but at the end of the day, they do deserve uh, to be treated, you know, as the husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and the sons and daughters that they are. Right. And so, you know, for us, it's, it's, yes, we want to give everything that we can because that's what athletes are conditioned to do. But at the end of the day, we need to have people um, that are willing to uh, be accountable and, and to make sure that they're putting the athlete's well-being, uh, you know, at the forefront rather than just the Jersey number or, um, you know, whatever that might be uh, that's presenting itself. And so for me, what I really want to do is I want to bring reform, uh, you know, be a place to, to start a, a charitable organization so that any player can get outside help uh, and plug into doctors that maybe could take a second look um, that don't have any skin in the game that right. can either just confirm what's happening or, or say, hey, look, you know, this might be a concern that you might want to address or just speak uh, to your, uh, your your medical practitioner for or your surgeon or whoever's doing your rehabilitation, whatever it is, just to just to make sure that the athletes being taken care of and these teams as well too, because at the end of the day, these teams have a lot of money invested in these athletes, and the athletes are assets to them, and and nobody wants a liability in any aspect of their life, and so if we can continue to help these athletes stay and be great assets even through uh, injury. Um, it's only going to be better for the sports teams and it's only going to be better for the athletes, not only for their career, but also for their lives. All right, Chris, thank you for sharing your story with us. How excited are you about the Luke Fickle era? Oh, I'm fired up, man. I, I tell you what, the stuff, he's, the stuff he's doing right now, I'm sure you guys are feeling it too, right? It's buzzing. And, uh, you know, he's, I've heard so many great things about him, what he's doing already from a recruiting standpoint. And then once, you know, you get those recruits in and you can implement your coaching techniques, which is the other side of it, I think we're going to just see uh, some amazing, great things, um, you know, on the football field. Mac did a great job getting that set up and, and, and targeting him and, and making that happen. And we just uh, – we couldn't be any more excited as, as alumni. And uh, he's got all the support of uh, Badger Nation, all of our former players as well too. So we're, we're excited to watch it. All right, Chris, you, you weren't Tausch's teammate in college, but if you ever want to come back on the show, you're welcome to be his teammate now. We appreciate you, man. <laughs> hey, thanks, guys. Really appreciate you having me on. It's always grateful. That is former Badger Chris Marigos and future Tausch teammate on Wilde and Tausch, Probably perhaps. Cousin sub. Cousin yeah, well, we're sub. always looking for good people, and Chris is good people. Uh, what what a story. When, when I read this yesterday, whew. It was pretty powerful I just, stuff. I cannot imagine sitting there, and you're still thinking you can get back. Yep, and you, right? I, you know the work that he put in. No doubt. To get back, to play, because that's what he wanted to do. And the, the pain that he probably was pushing through, wondering what was wrong, and the misdiagnosis, and for a doctor at somewhere else to come and tell you that, yep. oh, it, it, it just makes you sick. We'll talk more about it next. 
It's Wilde and Tausch. You're listening to Wilde and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Call Gina Della from Pella at 855-PELLA-WI or visit online at PellaWI.com slash radio. Thanks again to Chris Maragos for spending some time with us and telling his story. If you missed his interview and are just joining us now, check it out on Wisconsin On Demand later today. Wisconsin On Demand, presented by Group Lofts, is one call, that's all. Thanks to David and his team for supporting the show and for supporting Wisconsin On Demand. Group Lofts is one call, that's all. Made now, a major faux pas. We did? In, I did. In the text game, so... Normally, if we have a guest on, and if I booked him, which you know usually Jesse does all that, I send a note and say thank you, you know, for coming on. Uh, this just shows you Chris sent me a note saying thank you for having me on, and I accident, and then I said, you know, it's all you're great, and then he said sent something very like emotional and about the NFL Brotherhood. And I accidentally, I was just going to put a heart. I accidentally hit the ha-ha button. Oh, no. And I I don't feel great about it. And then it took me a while to figure out, how do I get this ha-ha off, get the love and say, you know, and then send a note back. But that is 100% IPT, and that's on me. I That's terrible. I meant to hit the emphasis button, and it's right next to ha-ha. And it hit ha ha. Well, why didn't you just go heart right away? I should have. I screwed up. I wanted because I. It was a very like a really good point that I loved, but I also wanted to emphasize. It could have went thumbs up. Thumbs up is kind of hokey. Yeah, it's a little generic. A, or you could have just said, "Amen, brother," or something like that. You kind of took the lazy way, and you got burned. I think the heart is suitable. You just got to make sure you're hitting I screwed it that right up. there. Yeah, I, Have you ever seen like on the ha ha? Definitely. I mean, couldn't have been a worse one. I think I'd yeah. rather had a thumbs down yeah. than the ha ha. Have you ever seen on like Facebook? They have all the different reactions, and I always feel really bad when you know like someone older is commenting on something, and like if you see a post that like you know Grandpa passed away this weekend or something like that, and then you see someone put like the laughing face underneath it, and it's like you know that wasn't intentional, but you can't like tell somebody that they did it. You just gotta kind of be a little more observant of what you're doing with the with the faces. Yeah, I screwed up. That was a uh, mistake by old T. Thank you for your service and for your errant emoji, whatever that's called. Um, I did want to ask you a serious question, so don't say ha-ha in response to it. Um, What I thought was among the more uh, powerful things that I read in the Philadelphia Inquirer story, and Sarah talks about this, his wife, um, and he talked about it a little with us as well, the lack of trust that this creates. Um. I know you had a very good relationship and a lot of trust in Doc McKenzie as you went through your process, but you really are putting yourself in a position, as Chris talked about, of playing a very violent, 100% injury rate sport 
and putting a lot of trust in the medical people to make sure that your best interests are always at heart. Um, when you look back on everything you endured injury-wise and your relationship with Doc McKenzie and the other, and you always talk about Flea and the, the crew that helped you, um, how important is that not only to your on-field success but probably your mental health success oh, too? Y- you need that, and I've always said that those guys are as much psychologists as they are physical therapists from a, the physical standpoint. The mental, I can only imagine uh, how Chris and his family was dealing with that because it just never ended. I always felt like, all right, you, you go through the process and you plow through, and then you just want to go through steps. And there's some days that it just doesn't feel like it's coming, and then there's some days that you feel great. And with all that said, I I still went and got second opinions. I think it was it's still very important to get another set of eyes and make sure everybody is kind of – in simpatico as far as what the problem is and what the solution should be. And you want to have that dialogue and you, you have to have that trust that goes with it. And obviously, you know, looking at that lawsuit and how it all played out, uh, there was not as much forthrightness as needed to be. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. you know, the, the side note of that and everybody is, Oh yeah, you got $43 million. There's going to be a long process to get that. And I would bet do- donuts to dollars. Dollars Chris, to donuts. That Chris Maragos would say, I don't want any of it. I just want my knee to be 100%. I would bet donuts to dollars that that would be the case. But not day-old donuts to dollars. No, sir. Uh, would you bet your bathroom renovation to dollars? Because you'd be getting your dollars worth... With Kohler Services. And are you all looking for a new shower? Well, if you are, I know exactly where you need to go, and that is Kohler. Kohler is a local end-to-end bath and shower design and remodel service, and it's brought to you by Kohler, a family-owned business in Wisconsin, for 150 years. And I keep telling you, if you think premium, quality Wisconsin company, Kohler is at the top of that list, and Kohler right now is only the only manufacturer offering fast, professional installation and care for life. You can start enjoying your bath or shower this year with a special offer. Visit kswisconsin.com to request a free quote. Tell them that I sent you. Again, that's kswisconsin.com. Whoa, Nelly is next. It's Wilde and Tausch. Oh, snap. Wildey and Tausch trivia contestants are competing to win crispy, fresh, delicious snacks from Oh Snap Pickling Company. When not just any snack will do, experience Oh Snap Pickled Veggies. Oh Snap! Jesse, we didn't leave you much time. Do your best. Time now for Wonelli. If the topic is good, the guys discuss. Just the other morning, I had breakfast at Tracy Rocker's house. His mama brought out 15 flapjacks. He said, Mama, take back five of them flapjacks. I gotta stay hungry for the Crimson Tide. But if it's not, the show must go on. It's time for Wonelli on Wildey and Tausch. I'm gonna play the request today, man. We're only gonna request. get to. Yeah, Tausch had a request for Wonelli. You're bringing my ham in? Forgot the ham. I'm very upset that is I that ham before the ham goes bad. Like, no, yeah. the ham is frozen. The ham is fine. It's in the freezer. We're not going to eat it. 
I was on the phone with my dad as I was driving in this morning, and he said, hey, you give him that ham yet? Oh, that would and be good. My heart just dropped. No, I, I forgot the ham again. Beck and I talked about me bringing uh, in the ham last night. Just straight up forgot the ham this morning. I'm sorry, Tausch. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad. You're just disappointed. No, I'm not even really disappointed. I just at some point would like the ham. Easter's cut. I mean, Lent starts tomorrow. So, yeah, we, we'll make sure we get it before Easter. Well, let me make it up to you as best I can. This is the ham that I won at the meat raffle a few weeks ago. Uh, no, I won it. Well... I won as your proxy at the meat raffle. Uh, Tausch requested that we play 90 seconds of audio from when Freddie and Fitzsimmons, the usual nighttime guys, were filling in yesterday on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. I really... Make sure you send this over to Brust and the Scalzo and Brust team because they don't have a clue on this. I think this is the audio that we're getting. Mm -hmm. This is a great history lesson I knew nothing about. And if this is the right, I'm a little nervous this is going to be the right audio. But if it is, Jason, I think you will actually be astounded by this. Here is Ian Fitzsimmons, who was the sideline reporter on ESPN for one of the XFL games over the weekend, teaching us a football history lesson. If you ever wonder where some terminology comes from in the NFL or in college football that has worked its way down to to peewee football, the game has been around for so long, but I had no idea. Where five technique, three technique, uh-huh. 12 personnel, 21 personnel, where all that came from until Saturday night. Oh, I went over to Wade Phillips and said, tell me how your dad came up with this terminology. He said, in 1957, <laughs> Bum Phillips was coaching high school football in Texas. And he couldn't get his guys to remember where to line up. So he looked at the big boy and said, you, you're zero. You're on the nose. And then three then five. So that's where the terminology of zero technique, three, five came from was Bum Phillips in 1957 coaching high school football. Then a man named Bear Bryant hired him at Texas A&M. And Bum Phillips tells Bear Bryant, hey, it's made it, it made it a lot simpler for my guys. What do you think? Bear Bryant loved it. They implemented it at Texas A&M. Bear mm. Bryant took that terminology to Alabama. Boom. Exploded. And to this day, that's how we referred to the DN, the D-tackle, really? the nose. And then Wade told me 21 personnel, mm-hmm. two running backs, one tight end. They started that when Bum Phillips was the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. To be able to get That's personnel amazing. onto the field earlier, they just started calling it 12. One running back, two tight ends. 21. And you got all of a sudden the offense That's runs amazing. in, two, two running backs, one tight end. I mean, it was a literal history lesson on the field on Saturday night, and it was awesome. So, I when I got to Wisconsin in 1995, when my mama dropped me off at the Holy Name Seminary and I was scared to death, I had no clue what any of those were. We did not do zero technique, five technique. And you lined up and like Mac and some of the guys that played at bigger high schools, they knew all this stuff. They'd say, line up as a four technique. And I, ha- I hadn't a clue. It took me... A while to figure all of that out. Never asked where it came from. I heard my guy, Ian, on KJM the other morning, and I thought, son of a gun. I thought I knew everything to know about football. I did not know that Bum Phillips, as a high school coach, invented that, and that's where all of that came from. I was fascinated. That, 
made me just that put those guys up on the pinnacle again as the best ESPN radio talent that we have. My guys, Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Son of a bum, am I right? Um, Did you know that? Uh, so I know the number system. I did not know the history behind it. What is it I've... called when I'm on the inside eye of the tackle, if I'm lining up? What is that called? All right, so zero is head up on the on the center. Yep. One Shade. You got a shade. Right. Was that f- five? Five is, is outside edge of the right of the tackle. Four eye is on the inside eye of the tackle. That's where a lot of... Two gapping comes. Seven technique is on the inside of the tight end. Six is head up. And the nine, they got the wide nine wide that the nine. Detroit Lions We love played. the wide nine. It's just it's fascinating to know that Bum Phillips took that to Bear Bryant. That is, it was just, that was, I, I was in awe of learning that. And now we're all better for you having learned that and shared that with the class. I'm going to test Jesse on this tomorrow and see where he's Whoa! Jesse, what do you have? When you run twenty-one personnel offensively, what do you have on the field? Oh, he just said it: two running backs, one tight end. And how many wide receivers then? Okay, so we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Two wide receivers. Counting with Jesse, are you ringing the bell for yourself? Yeah, I'm getting them right. If we got one wrong, you would have heard that. But mm. I'm good at taking the test. Happy National Pancake Day, everybody, by the way, since we're talking offensive line. Uh, I believe, Jesse, before he was breaking down uh, formations and chasing down audio at Tausch's behest, put a poll in the field about Blue Bloods. We'll see how that's going as we wrap things up next. It's Wilde and Tausch. This is Wilde and Tausch on 94.5 ESPN. Sponsored by American Family Insurance. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at amfam.com. Tausch, can you acknowledge that the... Staffer at CBS was wrong, and well, you were on board briefly. Uh, yeah, but I you've want, come around. I, right? I really wanted, but listening to Homer and kind of getting an understanding, the fact you don't have a national championship in eighty years makes it really difficult to consider yourself a blue blood. But then I ask, is Michigan State a blue blood? I don't mm. think so. Indiana would be a blue blood. But have they been a blue blood the last? Blue bloods can't go sour for two decades, and you're not a blue blood anymore. I don't know why. I guess I don't understand this whole concept. I do not believe there is a Big Ten team that is a blue blood. Jesse, do you agree with that? And does the polling agree on the Badgers' blue bloodosity? Oh yeah, eighty nine percent say it's not a blue blood. Like. Dang near canyon We got people quote to you say, what kind of question is this? Well, so, did yeah. you put in there that CBS put us as a blue blood? Because no. otherwise it sounds absurd. It, well. I never would have thought it. Then uh, Blakesley comes in and says, can you believe that we're, it makes me feel good? That we're, and it does. I think it makes a lot of us feel good because we constantly 
get trashed and we are looked looked uh, down upon. Uh, and for CBS, who hosts uh, their network, hosts this big tournament to put us as blue bloods, I, I felt good about that. And then I started thinking, oh, we're not blue bloods. Tom Izzo is a blue blood coach. Why? Because he's good. He's, he's got one won chip. a bunch of games. He's got one chip. Yeah, but they're winning conference titles, and apparently around well, here we he, measure Cardo's conference titles. Cardo's got more titles, conference so. titles than Izzo's got last in this in this decade. I still th- think the Blue Bloods are all the blue teams. Yeah, that's not how the that's Gonzaga, how UCLA, think Gonzaga's Duke, Carolina, blue. Kansas. Is Gonzaga blue? Yeah, oh Navy blue. They got some. Arizona. But, oh, jeez. Villanova. <laughs> Carolina, Duke, Kansas, UConn, Kentucky. Anyone ever wonder why Kansas is so good? Lawrence, Kansas isn't some hot spot. Mm, yeah, well, we'll have to address I that tomorrow. I think it's illegal money, allegedly. <laughs> Two pays. That's it for us today. Have a great day. Take care. Be good. Miss any of today's episode of Wildey and Tausch? Presented by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin? Come 